Hey, welcome to A Big Story Rewind. Podcast has undergone a few iterations since 2019. I've sought this mythical, pure conversation with inspiring creators over the years. And each season, I feel like it just that bit closer to having that give and take conversation that I forget I'm actually recording and I fool myself that we're having a real, <laughs> a real talk between friends. Well, the show is different now. There's still so many amazing episodes in the archives that I want to share with you. So be prepared for two more hosts. Um, there's a lot more talk focus on images appearing on the screen while we were recording, but that stuff really doesn't affect the heart of the story and our guests' unique tales. I hope you enjoy this big story rewind. Thanks for listening. Each other. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't draw it. I know. <laughs> can't do it. Can't do it anymore. That's uh, yeah, well, I can't ask questions and think at the same time and draw. It doesn't work. All right. Welcome to the Big Story Podcast. Hey. Morrissey. I'm Gary Dufna. There's no Phil today. So no Phil. Today, our wonderful guest is Rebecca Mock. Rebecca, was it Mickety Miggity Miggity Mock? Yeah, that's exactly Mickey how you say it. Right Rebecca, Mickey, whatever Yay, you want. Rebecca's here. I love that when you said you were, when you first sent an email. I was like, oh, that's so cool. She's kind of got like this cool nickname right in the middle of her email. So I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to make sure that you know, because my email addresses has the M in the middle, and people get confused. It's yeah. for Mickey. It's for my nickname. Yeah. So I, I think I think it's I think it's brilliant. Well, welcome. I like your I like your cup or your mug. Like your. Thank your you very mug. much. Very classic. Muse mug. Very, no. very classic. Old, old Muse. Classic Muse. What's at the bottom of that mug? Inspiration. What's, in the, what's inside? Oh, yeah, what's in the inspiration inside you're looking, it? You're looking for inspiration in that mug, aren't you? That's right. What's I'm, in there? I'm, uh, drinking pretty lightly brewed uh, black tea. Because I already had a coffee, but I need something warm. I, I I had a nice black well, tea yeah. earlier this morning. That was my uh, black tea. Yeah, it was a got some PG yeah. tips, classic. Nice. I had berries, so ooh, ooh, classic. Got nice. Some Irish, some Irish berries. <laughs> Good stuff. I had oatmeal. Bananas. I had oatmeal too. Oatmeal's the best. Every morning, <laughs> love an oatmeal. Eleven ingredients every morning. Love it. So, oh well. Now that we've gone through our food and beverage choices, um, Rebecca, how are you doing? Are you well? I'm. I'm doing all right. Nice. Uh, Good. I had a, a fun weekend, and I'm still recovering. Um, so, Ooh, how fun but, was it? <laughs> it was pretty fun. There was a big. Uh, there was a big movie event this weekend. They re-released Promare, which is this big anime film. In New York, and so a bunch of people came to the city, and we all went to the screenings. And people get very enthusiastic at the show, and oh, that's great. We like exchanged postcards. It was like a mini anime well, convention, but just for this movie. Uh, which, and I miss anime conventions. Where what where where did you see the screening? I went. To, I saw it in Times Square. Okay. Uh, we went to see the 4DX screening, which I'd never done before. Have you exactly. have you done this? 
No, what is that? 40X is where the seats move. They rumble. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. fucking universal. I, I, I am lukewarm on this, this future that we live in. It's a in ride, where, not just oh, a no, movie. No, no, no. no, I live in New York. I will make my own noise uh-huh. and I will rumble my own neighbor's seats. Thank you very much. I don't yeah. need a machine. She'll spin on people. That's right. In the, early, in the early 70s, Rebecca, Hollywood, Hollywood was trying to really come up with the idea because this is pre they do this every 20 years or so this is well yeah yeah, this is so this is pre-star wars this is this is they hollywood hadn't discovered the blockbuster yet so this Mm -hmm. was this was a very the accidental blockbuster yeah so there was this movie called earthquake and hollywood came up with this Uh fantastic technique of this this textural experience called sense around and what they uh-huh. did is they attached these boxes to the all the rows of the in the theater and they they stuck these rods these long rods that bolted to the bottom of the seats and the okay. boxes had a motor with an eccentric gear at the end and they were all rigged at the same thing so at the certain points in the movie the you know the person up in the box would push the button and the seats would go back and forth oh. and that was, the, that was the immersive experience of 1973 so uh, i don't know that's the thing is that it does a little massage it, yeah that's it feels sort of like a bad massage or a, <laughs> a bad roller coaster like the, the rickety ones right. it's like i don't want this while i'm trying to immerse myself in another world like i'm literally trying to leave my body right now yeah and i think we and we live in this world where we have these little boxes in our pocket which vibrate yeah buzz and vibrate and our watches vibrate like all this stuff is already moving is that my phone i like a soft vibration i I like a little pulse you know that's fine sure they should maybe electricity like some they zap us with electricity you know that would be maybe i've had that for for um for pt for physical therapy where they put the nodes on you and they they try to zap your nerves that feels nice actually a little little gentle little gentle like muscle vibration yeah yeah. yeah, it just feel tingly after. It's nice. So I don't think I know that movie. It's, it's who? Um, where, are you the, into? Are you into like anime films or anything? My anime, the, the, it's a it's a pretty like like, like anime. Like Akira. Are you into Akira? Did you? Yeah, like the Akira. We were in college when Akira came out. Yeah, so that was like it was good. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah, and like you know, and previous to that, like it, it's like you know, Gachamon slash Battle of the Planets, or I mean, that's you know, awesome. That's like I watched the Titans, and I watched um, uh, Death Note. I like that. Oh, Death Note, classic. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, well, Castle Cagliostriola, whatever. Castle Cagliostro, the Lupin film. Oh, that one's so good. That's, I mean, that one's epic, and then like the Ghibli films. Yes, well, of course. Or like those are the, those are sort of like the the gold standard, and then. Uh, I mean, then, if I'm uh, going to go to the movie theater and I want to see a cartoon film, I want to see a film like that. You know, like epic yeah. scale, yeah, just like super imaginative colors, just paprika. wild across. Oh my god, paprika! Yeah, Kano, I've got some of his books. I've, I've got. Got a stack of all my faves. Yeah, it's. Here. I mean, like you know, there's. I think there's a whole sort of maybe like twenty ish plus years of of that that I don't like the more recent stuff that I don't think I'm as mm-hmm. familiar with. Yeah, um, this is a more recent one. That's the thing is that this yeah. is all of that stuff was big in its time. Premier is one of the big ones right now. Cool. And it's exciting because during lockdown, it was like people just sort of wanted, you know, a reason to build a new community, reasons yeah. to you know. Uh, communicate and, and just sort of engage with each other. And that's what these little like 
events do and it's been really nice i just think fandom is like so revitalizing well it's you know i mean i'm it's so amazing how that that whole sense of fandom is you know it's now legitimized in every aspect like it's so different isn't it yeah i mean like you you make a billion dollars off of superheroes you know you know you you know every other year or every twice a year whatever it is Mm -hmm. so now it's like so there's this this financial sort of incentive has been sort of like hey this is a this is legit but it's okay now like i have a niece who's you know what is she senior in high school mm-hmm. and she, years ago she just got she was so into you know fantasy stuff and all these things and i was like oh boy you know like i remember being that and i just remember the sort of the the shame of the whole the thing stigma but not yeah, fantasy is- it's it's all a-okay like everyone yeah. does it so it's great it took 30 years yeah yeah, yeah. right it took a generation or two but now yeah. we're here yeah, no, I think it, I think it's I think and we're I think really we're the reason because we just kept sure. pounding our fists and saying this stuff is cool, and now yeah. now it is cool for the kids. Yeah, <laughs> and I think and I think it's cool to be like to be totally into something. Just like if you're just so, so mm-hmm. that Gary and I were talking it about that. Just, yeah, I mean, like it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, as long you know, as long as it's not a bad thing, go for it, enjoy it, have fun. Yeah, um, find your joy. Yeah, you know, like totally. marbles, uh, gardening, Legos, all of that sure. stuff. Every time, oh, yeah. like someone shares that bit of themselves with me, I I feel like I see them. You know, yeah, yeah. I see a bit of of their soul, and that's I think it's super special. I think it's beautiful. special, and I, and I think it's like I think it's a I, I think it's a great thing to be able to access it because I think it's very much what everyone as a child experiences. Like when you're mm-hmm. a kid, you really get into whatever the thing is at some level and you're like this is it i love this and <laughs> yeah. you know of course it changes every every four or five months for a child it's okay <laughs> every four or five hours for a child yeah. <laughs> but like you know like that friend of yours who just loved dinosaurs you know well now it's okay if you love dinosaurs and no one's going to look at you like some maniac you know it's like you're okay oh, yeah you can be every can kid's be got the thing that they're into yeah and so does every big kid. If you yeah. let, if you let your little kid out, you know, every so often. So it's true. Um, and now now we get to do it for our job, which is great. Yeah, which is which <laughs> is a, you know it's a privilege to say the least. We don't definitely. You know, um, yeah. So you, you I mean. I'll be honest. I was not aware of your work until talking with Hope. Um, you know, Hope's and. Yeah, she's 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 fantastic. She's she's a she's a power. She's a she's amazing. And um, and I was just like blown away when she shared, you know, the you know samples of you know the work you guys do together. And it's just it's a it's unbelievable. And it's a great example of what I feel is the you know class A exhibit of what comics are now in this country comics in this time are you can do anything and it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be true strict traditional american comic books which there's nothing wrong with that either like it's Mm -hmm. all it's so good that there's this this wealth there and it's you you're the work you're doing is at such a high level that it's like it's not it can't even be dismissed of like well it's you know it's an indie comic you know whatever you know which is you know and that's you know so it's very cool to see this and you know so digging into it and i'm just i'm fascinated by that because you know 
the conformity of whatever the time was when I got into comic books and got into the industry of comic books. If I was if I was like, no, 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 man, my thing is Battle of the Planets and I'm going to draw like Battle of the Planets. I never would have worked. You know, (laughs) I would have been you know, I would have been starved out of the business immediately. So um, like, I mean, because your style is so like I should say your comic book style is so, you know, you know. It doesn't have the same influences as like the big two, I think, is what you're no, saying. No, I mean, I, there's such strong Japanese and European influences in the, in that in oh, the yeah. work. Um, Why don't you show some so we can yeah. see what it looks but, like? But your illustration work is different in that respect. But like yeah. getting the comic book, you know, the comic book work. Yeah, this is children's books as well. I do some children's book. Yeah. Book cover illustrations. Beautiful. Uh, so this is one of my faves. Nicola Berry's great children's series. Uh, I highly recommend it. It was a fun read for me. Gary, yeah, you can see that crossover with the with the anime look. Of course, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm very lucky in that there. it's become popular because it is just the style that I drew in for fun for ages, Let's, and now I can kind of sell it. I can kind of market it to at least uh, niche um, imprints, and and uh, sometimes the book calls for it. You know, so I'm very lucky. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, but you're doing such a great job with it that it's not, you know, like it's once again, I I always say it's like, if you do something great, it's, it's undeniably great. Like you can't go like, well, yeah, like, (laughs) you know, you can't, you can't offer anybody the back door, you know, of saying like, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's not really as good as, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. Like if it's just so good, you can't argue that point. Um, well, I appreciate the compliment. I, (laughs) I try to be, I try to be the best I can be. I think we all have to think of ourselves as, uh, or think of our work as it's personal best. Um, and I've definitely struggled for a long time comparing myself to others and comparing myself to the greats for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the comics that I, uh, idolized coming up. But for, for me, especially lately, I always just have to try to like push for my own personal, like most fun and most joyous, like most soul filled uh, art. And definitely when that happens, uh, I think that it comes through. I, I feel like a lot, a lot of the covers that have come out that I'm most proud of have this feeling like the co- two covers you showed. Yeah. Both of them I'm super proud of because they were this perfect mix of just like fun, poppy, and then like my past uh, influences and bright colors and beautiful scenery and everything. Just like I love cacophonies. Yeah. <laughs> I love noise, basically. <laughs> what a word. And that that comes out, I think, in my work. Yeah, no, I I I I totally say when we we'll take we'll take a look at some other stuff a little later, and I I, to, I totally agree with your sort of your assessment, you know, your self assessment in that sense. Now, did you? I mean, was your earliest sort of visual influence was it in anime or was it in a, a printed form? Like, how did you like like what was your thing that drew you to draw? Well, well I mean, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. Um. I'm, I'm glad you asked uh, because we were talking about this before, like what your first like kids fixation is. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of mine was Archie comics. Um, I don't know if either of you are big fans. <laughs> no, it's just, it's amazing how many people. It's like amazing. We're, we're, That's, that is the end. I mean, like we, you know, a kid at nine or eight when they're first learning to read early yeah. than that, probably like I was learning to read 
from Archie comics and Sunday comic strips. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not reading um, DC Marvel superhero comics. Those were not afforded to me. Those were too old. Yeah. Uh, there weren't a lot of comics for kids the way there are now. There was just Archie comics at the grocery store, the digests. And mm-hmm. I would buy one of those every week. My mom would buy me one. Um, and I would read it cover to cover like nine times. And then I would go back to the grocery store with her the next week and get the next one. <laughs> and even now, like I, I have a couple in my, on my bookcase. That was the one thing I forgot to bring over. Um, <laughs> I was reading them the other day and I was laughing out loud. They are so funny. Like, yeah. That kind of slapstick comedy, I think is what always was like the biggest influence for me. Um, that kind of, like a reading experience where it's just like punchline set up and, uh, and delivery at the end and it's like just someone like getting their face bashed with a a mop like there's nothing better than that yeah physical (laughs) physical comedy is the best comedy i I, (laughs) yeah a good person falling or walking into a wall these are so good and like old uh like silver golden age uh superhero comics have that same feel like they come Mm -hmm. from the same place yeah um so when, when i went uh further down the line like into more superhero comics i was always drawn to the older ones um but then from there uh like middle school time that's when manga started to get published like very extensively and so bookstores had huge manga sections and i would be piling those into my arms and carrying them to the cashier and buying you know (laughs) stacks of them and from there you know the rest is history so archie came first and then you know ronma one half and uh Tenshi Muyo is a big fave. Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball Z. Oh my sure. God, the best. Those, and those also have huge uh, slapstick and like punchline joke, sort of like serious fight scenes, but also they, they work in tons of humor in mm-hmm. a great way. And so there's like a very easy transition from kids' comics to those kinds of works. Now that, and then I, mean, I am kids' comics, so. Right. Well, I, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, because you said there weren't a lot of kids comics when you were a kid. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. like, well, there really weren't any kids comics. You know, I mean, you have, we had Archie, you know, um, we had, I don't know, just, you know, Richie Rich or something like that. Yeah, there, Calvin there, and Hobbes. Casper. And, I mean, Calvin and Hobbes was, I was, I was in high school. Casper, we were, we were, in high, we were, we were in high school when that came out. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. So it wasn't even a kid. I was totally, I was totally into that, but. Yeah, same here. I mean, but like we were, we were, you it know. Was awesome. Really, fully formed like sort of obsessives by that point so yeah but um, how much are our influences defined on what's being published like what's big in publishing uh because i was very much influenced basically by what was being put out what was available to me yeah and so are you and so are the kids now absolutely i mean like you know everyone you know i think people go like well it's amazing everyone's all into this stuff i'm like well that's because people are putting it out there like it wasn't out there you know, like, yeah. you know, no one's, you know, no one's buying, you know, rock around the clock, you know, on, yeah. <laughs> on Apple music. Like no one's doing that because that's not what's being put out. Yeah. Um, and then there, then you do get indie comics and you mentioned that as well. And yeah. that's, that's where you find yourself. If you keep digging into I the dig. comic world, you do, you've got to dig for the good keep stuff. Digging. That's where it is. It's in yeah, that's what poetry. I did. Yeah. Alex knows that when I was in, uh, <laughs> when I was in college, I'm like, Nope, I'm not over there with the Marvel and DC. I'm over here with the independent comics. They've got some interesting things going on, but if you're good in that industry, it's because maybe you've come from indie comics. You you get your your second meal 
over here in the indie world. And I think a lot of, I mean, I think a lot of people who did groundbreaking work in the major sort of ranks of comics, you know, listen, there's always outliers, but they were looking at indie comics and saying, wow, like they really are getting away with so much, you know? <laughs> and so they were like, well, how can we get away with more, you know, with Daredevil? So Frank Miller's like, I'm going to like sure. go crazy on Daredevil. And he did because like no one cared about the comic, you know, on the, on the publishing side, they're like, that doesn't sell. Who cares? Yeah. Sure. Go for it, Frank. That's a blessing. Yeah. And he, so, but he, but he went towards what was being done in Europe and he, you know, Mm -hmm. story-wise. And in Japan. At that time, like manga was, uh, some manga was coming over and you can read manga from that time too. Like Ghost in the Shell, Akira was getting published at that time and they were talking to each other. These, these works of art were informing each other. Oh, for sure. Uh, Well, I mean. Really tell. Yeah, Masamun Shiro is like my, he's like my apex Ooh. as far as Japanese, you know, creators go. That guy. Yeah. And those comics are dense. They're de- they're beyond. Very different than now. You can, I mean, you you can't even really comprehend it. You can reread and reread and go like, well, I got a little bit more this time. <laughs> you know, every single time it's just. It's, it's like five so pages at a time. But he, but that guy, like the fact what he can do on his own and how far he pushed to things. I mean, if you look at the dates of what he was doing when he did Ghost in the Shell, it was in the eighties. Mm-hmm. He was predicting networked computer systems and all these these things right. that we don't, you know, we don't, we look now going like, oh yeah, that seems like pretty legitimate kind of stuff happening now. And he was doing it thirty plus years ago. So that guy's that guy's insane. Just yeah, super cool. But. <laughs> So, so I mean, were, so were you like as a kid? Were you were like a like like a scribbly kid, just drawing all the time, or were you just making stuff? As you know, scribbly for sure. Yeah, um, definitely got in trouble with the teachers for drawing in class. Yeah, uh, not paying attention. <laughs> all of us. That's my origin story. Basically, I was getting in trouble constantly for that until my teachers realized that I was good at math and that I was only good at math while I was drawing. Okay. <laughs> and so then they backed off. And they were like, "Oh, okay." She's, she's special then. Let her do um, it her way. She's yeah. special. And at, at that time, I was into drawing, but I was into lots of other things too. I was into, you know, acting, comedy, uh, writing. Um, I was good at math. I was getting pushed into these special math classes. Um, and I wasn't really like serious about drawing until middle school. And I went to a magnet program for middle school, high school, with, which had an art program. And that was when I started taking art classes daily and you had to have a daily sketchbook and you, you had to have projects. You had to learn art history um, and learn all of these basic uh, painting and drawing techniques, you know, how to use acrylic and watercolor, how to do gesture drawing, anatomy, um, who the who the famous like old masters were. All that stuff was like middle school just getting, I was getting all of that soaked into my brain at the same time I was first reading all this manga Ah. and having all these feelings because manga is so full of emotion. Uh, And I was getting socialized through art because I was meeting all of my friends through art class and we were all talking about art every single day. And that sort of shaped like who I am now. I'm I'm still that person. I'm still, I want to talk to an artist about their work. I want to uh, see the world through what I draw basically. I'm always thinking about that. Um, And I was consuming all these stories and I was thinking about how I could tell my life through a story in the same way. Where did you grow up? Uh, In Florida, in South Florida. Oh, okay. All right. Gary's, Gary's in Florida. Oh, I didn't didn't grow up here, but I'm in, I'm in Orlando. He's retired. I'm retired. 
Yeah. It's a, it's a nice place. Lovely weather. Only in the winter, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a little humid right now. Maybe a bit. Slightly. <laughs> 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 so so i mean so so the this exp the, this exposure like i i'm a huge proponent of like a couple of things like one is exposure mm -hmm. to, to something and the other one is encouragement slash support yeah uh constant praise that's the other thing that definitely happened was just art teachers every single day saying good job whenever you draw something right. yeah that that sort of ingrains itself in your brain it does and and, and you know there's a you know, I think there's a sort of some sort of I don't know how it happens, but there is a head start factor that kids do have that some children can emulate the shape of something that's recognizable to other children at an earlier age. And then you, a, you connect with that other kid. Yeah. And so then all the other children go like, oh, you're the kid who can do this. And then yes. that becomes something like, so you get this positive identification at a young age. You're like, okay, well, I guess that's my thing, you know, and like, all right, yeah. well, I guess I'm the kid who draws tanks or planes or, you know, buffaloes or whatever the thing is that somebody draws. Um, right. Imagine a whole class of those kids. Imagine yeah. the kid from that kid in every class went to the same middle school. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and high school. So, so it was you went to, you went to a special a special program school for for your for those what seven years of school yeah school. yeah and in that school so I was doing well in art class but I became the kid I became was the anime kid I became the anime club president nice. middle school high school college that that was that guy wow uh, because that was my identifier basically I was like well okay yeah I love art history I'm very serious about my art classes but also. I yeah. really like DBZ and I really want to talk to you about it. Um, All right. That, oh, that's so, that's so cool. So see, I think it's so cool. <laughs> like I've, I've, I've mentioned it before, but like, I mean, I've been, I, I got beat up for wearing Vans in junior high school <laughs> because like they were just so outside the norm of what people would accept where I grew up. So um, I, 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 yeah, I mean, like, yeah, they didn't really come into fashion until the nineties, did they? I don't like, know. And even then, it was sort still of little, still a little alternative. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, always, I always flinch when I see people when I'm wearing them. So, um, I had a special experience because of the art school program where I would have like probably had a tough time socializing because I was so engaged in, I just I was obsessed with pictures and drawing and all of this stuff. Like, I probably would have had a harder time, but I was very grateful to be in an environment where being an artsy kid, being kind of a weirdo was celebrated. Yeah. And that is something that I, you know, treasure and value so much because it gave me a lot of confidence at a time when a kid really needs like a, a lot of confidence boost. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, I mean, because if you have a group of peers and your peers are all into this one thing, mm -hmm. that's where you, you know, you can build your, your self-confidence. But if that's externalized, you know, within a larger frame framework, then that's, you know, you know, I mean, you know, Oh, that's what it's like being the cool kid. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, that's pretty, I mean, that's, that's right. Like being the, the kid who like did the best in art class that day. Right. Believe me, that was never, ever, ever a thing uh, in 1980. Yeah. I, it's, it's nicer to see it coming more into the mainstream now. And like the, that school I went to still exists and I, I go back to visit sometimes and it's still the same. It's just kids who are so enthusiastic about art. And so because of that, so independent and so like, uh, uh, well-spoken about their work and, and like very enthusiastic about art in this beautiful way Yeah, to, to be that way. So young is, is lovely. 
That's I, that's great. I mean, I, it's 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 envious. I would I would love to have had a similar experience as a kid because that just sounds like it sounds like a great you know space to be in. So it was did a you, lot of fun. Did you? I mean, like, so I mean, like, you're you know, anime president, and you're reading manga at a mad pace, and you're drawing and art oh, history. You you know, you're you're oh, completely. But like, are you connect? Like, are, are you being counseled in, in, in comics? Well, I mean, in what this in, in what your as an artist, you know, by the by the, the sort of the adults in the, in the situation, or are you mm-hmm. are you thinking in your head like, okay, what do I do with this? Yes. Like, okay. Great question. Because I think I I feel like um, yeah, actually, I have an example. So <laughs> uh, at this time, I was trying to do comics, and I was trying to present them to my teachers and be like, this is the thing I'm really passionate about. Mm-hmm. But the one downside to like the art program was that they were very against cartooning and comics. They really wanted us to focus on the fine arts. And right. so very quickly, you develop a chip on your shoulder from that, where you have to legitimize the things that you're passionate about by saying this is related to art history because of this. And so I learned a lot about comics to history. conceptualize on this piece. I got to I had to bring up Will Eisner every single day in class and, and <laughs> But uh, he wrote a book. <laughs> uh, he read Scott Pilgrim. Exactly. Uh, it's a beautiful art form, graphic. It's novels. a cartoon. But at that, but because of that, I, I, sort of, I, I <laughs> tried to like focus on anatomy. I tried to focus on how comics could be very realistic and uh, more detailed. And I think I'm still awesome. trying to do that with my work, which is it's like always show off. Like, look, there's a background. I drew the background in so that it doesn't. I'm not lazy. Please right. don't. Please don't uh, give me a, a less than an A plus um, while I'm doing this comics thing that you don't want me to do. Uh, now you're you can saying, see that. please, please pay me. <laughs> yeah. I brought this in. This is the comic I did in high school. Oh my gosh. I, my mom sent it to me because I, I wanted to um, show my friends. I was really into okay, Sonic the Hedgehog for a certain okay. amount of time. Okay. Uh, I had a Sonic OC, of course, um, and I drew this comic, and it was on notebook paper in class, and it looks like all looks like this. Ooh, okay, yeah. That's yeah. my that's my first. Um, and but what, what I did with part of this comic was I turned Sonic and all of the other characters into humans because it was more serious. It was, okay. I was literally taking this fun thing I was doing just for fun, not for class. And I was trying to make it more serious and fine artsy by taking a cartoon character and trying to make them more complicated, which you is the re- opposite of what you should do. You were recontextualizing. Don't you realize? Yeah. <laughs> this, look, it's it's Amy and, and Sonic as high school kids. Oh, OK. Well, I mean, listen, that's but you could also identify with the high school kids because you were one. Exactly. And so it's fine in that respect. Um, and also, I'm very proud of this comic book. That's amazing. I don't. I don't think there's. I feel like I got to. Yeah, I got pretty far with this. That's uh, amazing. Nice. This is a treasure. But like, that's the kind of thing I would do, is I would constantly have to justify this hobby of mine and try to work it Mm. into my identity that my teachers wanted me to pursue. Because I had quite a lot of skill with drawing and painting, and the way to get into art school is to get a big scholarship, because art school is unaffordable otherwise right and to do that you have to build up a whole childhood career of art success and you have to you know get a lot of awards and and be in a lot of children's exhibitions and win silver keys and things um and i was only able to do that with 
fine artsy stuff and not the stuff I was really interested in, which was comics and cartooning. Uh, yeah, I mean that's the. I mean that's the that's the thing. I mean, what what the value scale is of something, you know, in the eyes of whoever's in charge, and mm-hmm. which it, you know, it may, it and makes that's it, changed a lot too. That's definitely changed in our lifetime. Yeah, no, I think I think there's a lot. I mean, I think there's a huge you know sort of shift in that in that sense. So you, so I mean, you, so you were sort of like you know an endeavoring you know artist in your in your you know K through twelve years, and you mm-hmm. know pushing the envelope and really can sort of like thinking about what you were, you know, you were doing, what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And did you get that scholarship? Did you go to art school or did you say, Nope, I'm going to go do something else. Go renegade. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I got the scholarship. Uh, I went to Micah, which is in Baltimore. Okay. Um, I was an illustration major. That was when I finally cut loose. I was like, I got the scholarship. I'm here. I'm going to study comics. I'm going to study cartooning. Because they're ready for you to do comics. No one can stop me. <laughs> yeah, nobody can stop you because now you're 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 off into college and it's it, you can do whatever you want, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Finally time. Uh, yeah. And all of my hard work will pay off now because I got so much schooling already in all of this other magic sure. school programs. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think that was really true, but I, it brought a lot of confidence to, you know, to my entry into the college scene. And that's yeah. great. Uh, and so I did a lot of, that's when I started literally like the first month of college, I went to SPX, the small press expo, uh, in, uh, Bethesda, which is North of DC. I don't know. Have either of you uh, been big SPX attendees? I have not. I, I'm the closest I can get to is having, having attended the Baltimore convention. Uh, I mean, that's a great show too. I went there as well. Love Baltimore comic-con. Yeah. Lovely. It's like a, it's a big show, but it's not overwhelming the way that NYCC yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, those shows introduced me to indie comics, introduced me to independent artists doing their own thing, doing comics that are, defy genre and are have global influences. Yeah. Uh, at the time, definitely, I was sort of at the tail end of it, but the indie comic look was like black and white brush, uh, brush and ink, uh, or pen yes, and ink. The Paul, because it was, Paul Pope? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very Paul Pope. We, he came to school uh, mm-hmm. to visit us once, uh, which is whatever. But the the style that what was great about it is that it was so easy to Xerox copy and share your comics. And that was this exciting new way to identify as a comic book artist, not try to like uh, get a book deal or, or become someone in like a big industry, but just make your own story. Just go for it draw whatever story you want and, and make a Xerox copy zine and, and just hand it to someone. And you're a comic book artist. Officially. Officially. You did, can put no. that on your resume. Yeah. Did you have it? I mean, did you have, was there, was there any sort of, um, I mean, did the school completely support your like, Hey, this is what I want to do. I want to draw comics or were, was there sort of a, a structural sort of, cause I know plenty of people who went to art schools with the idea of wanting to draw comic books. And then they, mm-hmm. their instructors are like either a, I have no idea about comic books or B no, 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 no. We're here to learn how to, you know, do X, Y, and Z, but not exactly. Comic. I'd say there's a bit of both there. Uh, definitely. Like when I, right when I got there, there wasn't a comics like club. Okay. Uh, so me and uh, another freshman founded the, the Micah uh, comics and sequential art club. Um, there was definitely some professional comic book artists on staff at Micah. Oh, cool. Were our advisors completely supported us. Uh, 
we did tons of stuff outside of outside of class. There wasn't a lot of comics classes at the time, and there right. are now, because um, comics has become more and more popular uh, of a focus. Well, I think it's. I mean, the the amazing thing about about comic books uh, now you know outside of the breadth of it and in the sort of the public eye of comics is a is a medium is that it's not just getting hired to be a monthly gun for you know marvel or dc or image mm-hmm. now it's it's a it's a it's a world where you can get you know the two words you said earlier which didn't exist um before were book deal that was <laughs> there was no such thing as a yeah, book that deal. was going to happen next yeah so that's like but now you can go to art school and you can hone your craft as a as a visualist and as a writer if that's what you were so intend to do mm-hmm. and you can you can exit the school with the intention of saying hey listen i'm going to be a graphic novelist i'm going mm-hmm. to write and i'm going to get a book deal and i'm going to do this as a career which you know, had we, Gary or I said that to our parents, it'd been like, wait, you, you're going to do what? Like, I mean, <laughs> I, it took enough convincing to say, hey, listen, I'm, I can do this and I can, you know, I can get hired by Marvel and DC. And, and, and there's these books, you know, dozens and dozens of books are published every month from these companies. There's work. Um, there wasn't so much of a, a path of like, well, I'm going to make my thing and then the world's going to pay me to do my thing. Like that yeah. didn't exist uh, in so much as it does now, which I think it's beautiful. So it's wonderful. It's and it's still changing. It's going mm-hmm. to look very different 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. The way that the the idea of one of the big five children's publishers getting you a book deal for your graphic novel didn't really exist 10 years ago. Right. Uh that sort of like I feel like there was only a few people doing that and only very small. And then things like like Raina Telgemeier's huge success in children's publishing, like yeah. lit a fire under every other publisher's butt. Uh, saying we have to throw money at this we have to and like so the kinks are still getting worked out with the system there but it definitely changed yeah you're right how people think about the career yeah but there's something else as well I think that 10 years ago I didn't perceive that I could do multiple things ah that's a really strong point right 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 yeah I I wanted to be a comic book artist and I thought well I'll get a part-time job or something while I draw comics right it didn't occur to me that I could be cross uh medium artist i know that seems to be the only way to be a freelancer now i i totally get that because i i think that's the exact same sort of conclusion i came to you know at a time where i was like when i wasn't doing you know when i wasn't getting the gigs drawing comic books Mm -hmm. i didn't you know i did I didn't realize like, oh, I could also parlay this. I could go work for ad agencies. I could go get a an agent who could say like, hey, we've got a spot illustration for this, that, or the other thing. Um, yes. While I did those or things. Or animation. Uh, there's tons of work for a comic yeah. book training artist in that field. That came, that came late in the 90s. The, the the opportunity for animation didn't didn't happen until late in the 90s. And that mm. was, and it, it did happen. And it was an interesting, I was, I was living in Atlanta at the time. And um, a, a fellow comic book friend of mine was like, hey, like, if you're not busy, we need some people down here that, you know, because I'm working here at this animation house. I was, and it was at four blocks down the street from my apartment. So <laughs> like, like, I guess I can come on by, you know, and it was great. It was a, it was a, you know, so you learn to tween, you learn to do. All yeah. It's a desk job where you draw, yeah. which is what we all would love. Oh, for sure. It was, it was, it was, and it was social. 
because yes. you weren't alone in your stupid studio staring yeah. at a wall, you know? I love office culture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I no, say I mean, as a tourist. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's, I mean, it has so many highs, you know, to go along with it. There's just a great thing. But it, it is interesting. And I think it's, I mean, it's tough. And I mean, I might be partially due to like my character makeup where I might be a bit myopic in the sense of like, no, 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 I'm just going to draw comic books, you know, and that like that rather than like, rather than saying, no, 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 I'm going to eat. <laughs> no. um, that's the, that's the question that never gets answered. Are you going to be successful drawing com- or are you just going to like go for it and draw comics? Or are you going to, you know, support yourself? Well, because listen, the only, the only air, you know, the only success stories that we hear are the ones of the people who, you know, like, you know, sacrificed everything and, and just wrote it out to the end. And, and then, then it was, it, it took off and, you know, yeah. and now which is a terrible and, narrative oh, to tell people. No, it's, but it's, you're only it, to make it if you really, really try hard and like ruin your life. Well, for sure. And we, and the, and the fact that we like, listen, we typically don't look at somebody who's a fair to Midland commercial artist and say, that's who I want to be like. We look at the people who are potentially geniuses who have been struck by lightning and can do this. Tons of luck as well. Tons of luck legs up. Right. And the thing is, if we look at them, go, well, that's, that's the bar. That's who I must measure myself against. And you you know, and there you are just, you know, like I'm a failure. Right. You're tilting at windmills at that point. It's, 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 it's an insane, you know, gambit, but it's hilarious. Um, (laughs) But, you know, you know, there's a, there's a great adage of um, always try to capitalize on your throwaway years. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Yeah. That's great advice. It's, it's when I heard that. Measure yourself by your throwaway years. Yeah. Because you can, there's so much value. No, no, no. There's ex- there's so much experience that you could draw from that to be able to you know re recontextualize into mm-hmm. something of value for the thing that you really truly want to do. Like if yeah. you have to work in an office for years, you know what? You might be able to write a, a a novel or a graphic novel or make a cartoon strip which takes place in an office which you have firsthand understanding of the madness that exists in that space yeah that's a wealth of storytelling experience and also like utter boredom is the best inspiration (laughs) sitting around doing like grunt work is when i always come up with my best ideas yeah and that's a great and listen utter boredom is a great name for a comic strip um i'd read it yeah, I know. I mean, I don't, that's not advice. Like every experience and ideas and inspiration come from everywhere. Everywhere. Like you can't like, you know, it, the, the, it's, it's a, it's that great question when you get, you know, talking to a writer, like, so where do you get your ideas? You know, like living. Yeah. Failing, you know, like, I don't know, like, it's all just, it's just Happening, mostly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, it's a, it's a creativity is the ability to connect the invisible points that no one else is looking at you know and yeah. then you just kind of you go oh okay i've stuck these six lego together and look what mm-hmm. i made and you go wow that's a pretty cool shape we can we, you know we'll work with that yeah. um where do you want to go next with that so you so you get so you're you're a newly minted artist you know you're, you're graduating they hand you a diploma you know yeah. you're like you know you're you're, you're I've got my little college graduation portfolio full yep. of 
middling work at you, best. You hand, out, you, hand out, you hand the keys to the comic book club people for them to take care of it. You hand the keys to anime yeah. club people. You take care of that. And off you go. Mm-hmm. So what, what happens? Well, for a few months, I try to start up doing my own like little indie comic projects. I make a couple of zines. I show at uh, Baltimore Comic Con with a friend. Uh, and I get a part-time job uh, answering calls at a pizza delivery place. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm living a fine life. Everything is going great. Uh, and then that went, or that fall, I get, uh, basically what happened to you? Your friend calls you and you're like, hey, we need you to come down. We, we need a grunt worker, essentially, right. for an animation project. And that's what I got. A friend of a friend, there was a freelancer opening at uh, Rockstar Games at the New York office. Oh, okay. And they essentially needed someone who uh, could drop their entire life and come to New York for two weeks and just sort of fill up spots and do background art for an animation. Uh, and I had no experience doing background art. I was just fairly good at perspective. That I mean, you know, I can yeah. I can eat off that skill. I will I will brag about that. Um, and I had the ability to say, hi, pizza place. I'm not coming into work next week. And I could crash on someone's couch. And so I just showed up. And that actually lasted six months because every two weeks they had like a new thing and I was there. So mm-hmm. they just kept giving me work. And that... What happened was that that was the first time I used Photoshop entirely for projects. Like I, I was very like adamant about doing hand drawn stuff before that part, sure. which takes so long, so much labor. Um, and also, I hadn't really considered art that had no people in it, like ever before. Right. No. Uh, yeah. No, that's the point. <laughs> and it was like my mind was blown, and yeah. I. And so in that six month period, I built an entirely new skill set. I had a whole new portfolio of work, although I couldn't share any of it because it was in-house. Sure. Um, and, uh, and I was also in New York and I had this money I had made from the job and I could, I could get an apartment there and I could sort of start over. And, uh, from there, you know, basically everything else started from there. I, I went back to doing zines essentially once I started having time again. And so that led me to hope, um, and doing comics but then i also had this like skill of doing background art and illustration and animation as well and that led me to a lot of freelance and i was able to support myself doing a bunch of different art stuff that's so cool so i when i looked at your website like you had you so you have like these great pieces that are that are on your site which are these illustrative pieces um and, and little animated pieces yes and so um I'm going to put up, put a couple up on the screen and you can, let's, why don't you just talk about them? Cause they're really freaking cool. Ah, yes. <laughs> this is the aftershocks piece. Okay. So what did you do this in? I did this in Photoshop, all Photoshop. Okay. This one, this was a headache and a half. Yeah. I would think. Uh, because I, you know, the animation itself is very simple. This is a 12 frame animation and I, I use the frame by frame mm-hmm. um, dialogue box in Photoshop. And I basically just sort of, Think of my animations like stop motion or even like puppet building or little okay. machine building. And so you build all the pieces and then you basically frame by frame move them or nudge them or rotate them ho- however you need. And for this one, the key was getting one piece to work. So I think the first thing that was animated was the bookcase that's on the left. Right. The the, the way it sort of like sways. Mm-hmm. Once I got that timing... Everything else is built around that. And so I went through each piece and I said, okay, so all the little books on the bookcase move like two frames after and they move in the same pace. And uh, the chair behind it, the lamp, all of the frames, like everything just sure. matched up to that. And it was just basically knocked down dominoes. But the, the context is this is uh, 
supposed to be the tremors of an earthquake right before the big earthquake hits. Okay. That was what the article was about. And I the art director came to me with this idea, and he was like, I just need you to figure out a nice way to do this. Now, did they, did they I mean, I, I'm, I'm blown away by the palette. Did they deliver a palette, or is this something you had to develop? Oh, no. This, this was... Um, this was like the 12th hour uh, okay. using adjustment layers on top of a very purple, yeah. like a lot of shades of purple was in the original piece. I think I actually have like some process uh, bits it's, from this piece somewhere super, that I could show. Yeah. I love that. Um, adjustment layers always save the day. Yeah. Yes, they do. They do. Woo. Oh, uh, and this is for this. Oh, this is for Crunchyroll. I got to yeah. work with Crunchyroll on some anime related stuff. This is the best. That's I actually wrote cool. a piece for them. I wrote uh, the essay that became a video essay they did on the anime Slam Dunk, which is based on the manga Slam Dunk, which okay, is getting yeah. a, a remake movie, I think. Really? Or a remake oh. anime. Yeah, it's coming back, my boys. Like um, from, the, was that from the 90s, right? From, yeah. And this is a classic case of the, the artist Takahiko Inoue, I believe. Uh, basically really wanted to do a manga about basketball because he loved basketball in high school yeah. and he was already an assistant for another manga artist. So he had some skill, um, but he basically sort of uh, against his editor's um, suggestions, he kept drawing this comic book and then he kept submitting chapters and he tried to make it as little about basketball as possible at first. And that's why when you yeah. read the first volume of Slam Dunk, it's like so much about the guy's like dating troubles Okay. Then by volume five, of course, this whole story is just about basketball. I love it. I love just yeah. artists who go hard on their bullshit, like through the brick wall. Totally. <laughs> so well, it's it's, it's great. But this animation is, uh, it's just, I really love the moments in anime that are, because I'm a background artist trained uh -huh. now, you know, I love those bits of animation and those sort of shots in film that are like an object or a moment in time that seems to like last forever. And, you know, that atmosphere. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that like the perfect thing to do for this would be that basketball, like toilet bowl thing yeah. that always happens where it just sort of circles the rim and you think it's not going to go in. Yep. Or well, that one's not going to go in. No. I mean, is it? Is it? Oh, it's the end see. of Inception all over again. <laughs> this is our this is our version of Inception. Um, it's beautiful. And I love I love I mean it's interesting. I love how you're doing you you handle like the uh you know the, the sort of the lens flaring, but like in a very sort of um soft brush approach. Yes. That's a, that's um, just a, an airbrush in Photoshop just yeah. I love it. I pulled the colors straight from Slam Dunk Animate, like uh just tried to match the style of some of the shots sure. in the actual anime. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's great. And then there's this Air, is it Airbnb. Yes, this yeah. was the cover of their Airbnb magazine at the beginning of last year. That's great. Um, I love this piece. And also, I had taken a long break from illustration before getting this assignment, and so this was like my first big dive back in painting in a really long time. And I had uh, I had gotten an RSI like pretty bad um, from overwork, uh, from trying to burn the candle at both ends essentially. And so it was, yeah. I was sore every day after working on this cause I was still rebuilding muscles and I was trying really hard to like refine like what I was interested in. You know, that thing, like you're off years, you try to like reassess yeah. Yeah. what do I really like about illustration. And, and this was it, this was me saying, this is what I love to do, just messes. It's great. Yeah, well, you were talking the cacophony, you know, the, the mm -hmm. you know, yeah, here it is. <laughs> the control of chaos. And it's, it's Did you there. use photo reference for the lighting and for the room. Not for the lighting. I made it up. 
mostly. Um, but for a lot of the details, I love this. Um, the, the assignment was to paint a, a messy artist studio. They were like, you know, and we love, I gave them a sketch of a printmaker studio and I was very inspired by my friend, Kathy G. Johnson, also a comic book artist. Uh, but they also do printmaking, screen printing a lot. And they work yeah. in this um, studio that they rent out to do their screen printing. Um, and so, and they've shown me pictures of like their process before. And so I was like, please send me all the photos you have. And I will literally put little details of your process into this piece. And so it's pretty good. It's like the literal water bottle, the, the talkies, the, the screen prints, no, I can, I'm looking at I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the layers of uh, you know in the drying rack of the turtle drying rack. I see the actual turtle on the table, you know, yeah. and the turtle the pieces story. on that's the wall. The, that's the idea is that you you move around the space yeah. and you see a different process of inspiration to process to final piece. It's beautiful. It's yeah. fantastic. It's, I love it. Um, and then this, this I thought this one was great. This is the reso printing. Yeah. Um, this was for a series, uh, Mocha Arts Festival, okay. um, which happens, is supposed, supposed to happen in May in New York every year. Um, I did the badge art for them uh, for one year. And so I did five different illustrations, and this is one of them. And so each like type of badge had a different one of these little spot illustrations on it. Um, and so each of them were different little like parts of the indie comic book artist or indie illustrators, like little... Uh, prep for a show like mocha and so here's the riso printer getting their prints right checking the colors uh reloading the drums and there was one where like the zine collector is taking a photo of their hall uh and uh that's really cool it's like the artist with their cart and all of their zines and stuff trying to like and setting up their table and so uh, these were like, lots of little like personal details i appreciate the 80s the 80s color motif as well yeah for sure <laughs> so much fun Yes. And this, this is, is great. Subtle, the subtle animation in this is really nice. Yeah, this is, ah, oh, this one was so much fun. This was for Steam, the, the video game downloading website. Mm -hmm. um, and so Steam is uh, owned by Valve or part of Valve. And so I got to work with Valve's like art team. Um, and they are uh, consummate professionals, super talented, great designers. Uh, and so every step of this process was just like, uh, butter like went so smoothly that they wanted me to just do my thing essentially they was like make a mess to uh, illustrate a, a garage full of junk um and then slowly have it cleaned up so there are four different versions of this oh, illustration cool. where it gets like cleaner and cleaner and uh and then like put little animated bits in there yeah i love the, co the 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 combination with the purple and the uh the terracotta of the room yeah. i love that that it's I love it. Love it. I can't help but use purple. It's obviously like if you I, look at all of yeah. work, I, I love purple. I'm a, I'm a similarly addicted to that color. I think all artists are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and this one was for um, Lethal Lit, which is a podcast. Oh, yeah, sure. I've heard of it. Yeah. A narrative podcast. Um, another comics guy founded it. Staffaroni, Adam Staffaroni, along with uh, some other people. But he was the one who actually gave me one of my first like comics gigs when he mm -hmm. worked for boom. And so when he, this came around, he contacted me because we had already worked together uh, and it was great to work with him again. And it was basically um, very simple process for this one. Cause it was uh, essentially do a lot of different pieces uh, like building a little machine. And then I used after effects to animate it. So it made it really okay. lightning is coming out of the crow's mouth. Yeah. Yeah. 
I love that girl. I love how evil he is. Ah! It's very, very Poe. Very, very like a lot of yeah. horror literature references in the actual podcast. So we wanted to bring that in. Oh, I love it. It's fantastic. Yeah. And then this piece here. Ah, this was so much fun. This was for... Uh, so there's a graphic novel series based on the podcast, The Adventure Zone. Okay. Uh, and so the graphic novel is illustrated by uh, my good friend, Carrie Peach, and the uh, publisher's first second, who I worked with before for Compass South and Knife's Edge. And so they contacted me asking if I would like to do a piece for their like back of the book gallery of fan work. Uh, and so this was essentially fan art that I did professionally. Nice. I got paid to do this piece of fan art for this uh, comic book series in this podcast that I'm a big fan of and this is one of the characters and so I basically just had a, had a blast making him really horny essentially <laughs> so I to make him really hot yeah no I love that I love that I, once again I mean I love your I love your palette um it's yeah. great. I saw I saw this on the side. I, these I dug so much. Yeah, and I was trying to. This was from like I earlier this year. I was trying to do some speed paintings, like trying yeah. to build up my painting skills again, because I got a background art gig um, for Cartoon Network, and I was trying to sort of like stretch my legs a bit after I had finished Salt Magic and before this other job started. I just wanted to have some fun, um, so I did this as part of a series of just like try to. What can you do in two hours? You know. Yeah. That's no, great. I mean, it, 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 it's, I mean, I, I love how you're saturating your colors in this. It's yeah. Not... I mean, that's straight from the photo. I, yeah. I, I would go around my neighborhood, just take photos. No, they're, be- they're beautiful. I love, it's I love beautiful people. day that day. Love that. And then this was the, I guess the last of the sort of the illos. Yeah. This is for the WeWork series. I did uh, like 30 illustrations for WeWork. Um, oh, great. And it was a great collaboration. They gave me an office in one of their uh, locations and for, in exchange for that office space, I did a series of illustrations, like three to six per month. Oh, wow. Uh, based on their different um, office spaces and, and features. They, they have a spa, like a WeWork branded spa in Manhattan. And I, <laughs> I went there, I took a ton of photos, and I just did a whole big series of illustrations. And this is one of the, they have like um, a big hot tub. It's great. It's very fancy looking. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean... It's a very simple animation too. Like everything's still except for the lip of the water. That is the only thing that's moving. And then just kind of some steam is rising. Yeah. So I love stuff like that where it's tricks. It looks like it's really realistic or like emotively animated, like atmospheric, but it's just one or two things that are actually moving. It's really cool. It's real cool. I love it. I love it. Mm. Yeah, it was one thing that I was rising. Yeah. There's one thing I was we were talking so when we were talking to hope about bam salt magic um, salt magic. <laughs> um it, it's it, you know there was something that we were discussing you know, that way you know to look my ugly <laughs> um yeah it's there, you know we i was looking at this and how like this cover you know sort of really separates itself oh, yeah. from you know the pre- the two previous covers you guys worked on together. There you go. Look at that. You got the yeah. Cover. There's the real deal. No. It's a, it's a wraparound cover too. So the full illustration, which I haven't released, is like just tons of clouds. Oh right. wow. So. I, and, and I loved I loved how you just sort of really. You guys said, oh, I'm going to paint the cover. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to go a linear comic book. Right. 
sort of approach. I'm going to paint this. And I think like, I think the effect is just so wonderful to see. And when she shared some interior pages, um, which I have the interior pages, which don't have copies. So this is is what hope shared. I was just fascinated. Um, in looking looking at your previous work, um, actually I gave you a compass out the nice edge as well. Yeah, um, I know. You can see there's a distinct t- style change. Yes. Well, there's a huge style change, and not only not not only, and when I say huge, I don't really mean stylistically in the drawing aspect. Um, you leveled up there, but your color approach is really, really stepped up in you know in in the in the relationship, and we were just marveling at you know your composition, but your your texture and color approach mm-hmm. in these pages just they're stunning well thank you i am very proud of them Uh, you should be i really wanted i i had a very specific vision in mind basically for for this book and and i think i've talked with this i've talked about this with some friends i think um it's great to have a visual style per project Mm -hmm. like not not as not think of it as like this is my next book it's just going to be in my style but what does yeah. the project itself call for? And that's why you can see that in my portfolio. Like every single thing looks different. Um, I can't, I can't choose essentially. That's one of my problems. Um, but for this one, it's different from Compass South and Knife's Edge thematically. Mm-hmm. And so it needed to feel different. And so at the very beginning, very consciously, I was thinking, what is the style going to be? How does that play into the theme? And I wanted it to be very like clouds. I thought of like puffy, rounded shapes. And like the way I draw wrinkles is um, deliberately different in these characters. The way I draw hair, uh, the way I draw trees, it's all distinct. The style was made, tailor-made for salt magic. Yeah. And I tried to make it consistent throughout, make it uh, unique to the book. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really, I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, it's super, it's impressive, but it's just, I mean, it has, it has, a, it has like, I know it sounds stupid, but like a storybook quality to it, like, mm-hmm. but like, a, the, but, you know, it not, in, it's just a storybook quality that it's like this, I feel like I'm in this, this different world and story just by looking at the artwork. Oh, I hope so. That's yeah, yeah. totally my goal. So hooray. Yeah, no, it, it's just super, super exciting. So I was just, I was blown away by that. So how did that project come to fruition with you um, in hope that like, did she, you know, did she ring you up and say, hey, you know. I got what? another one for you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have another you have a year and a half free? Um, At the time. Yeah, basically that was what it was. We had finished Knife's Edge. Uh, we had only had plans to do those two books. I'm super proud of those two books also. Mm-hmm. Uh I still look at that art and think like, I, th- I did a good job with these. Um, and I love those stories as well. And so when Hope came to me with a new one, I was like, yes, of course. I love Hope's stories so much. And this had a similar feel to Compass South Nice Edge. It was historical, which is kind of my wheelhouse now. Um, but it was fantasy, which was this uh, genre I hadn't quite stepped into yet. So it was also new. And I'm a sucker for anything I've never done before. Um, so when she sent me the outline, I read it, there was a, there were a couple of parts distinctly in the story and like the themes that she was exploring that really spoke to me and was totally the kind of story that if I could choose any story in the world, I would have wanted to do next. And so right. when, uh, when she asked, would you like to illustrate this with me? Uh, you know, I jumped on it. Um, you know, we got things going 
um, you know, for the first year I was just doing like development, visual development while she was writing. And I have all of my sketches here. Oh, cool. I have. So what I did was I would just, I have little folders and they're labeled. This one's called uh, Seer, which is uh, the salt, which is world that she lives mm. in. Okay. And uh, so I wanted, you know, I wanted to really think about the visual development for this book and like, what's the distinct look of all of these fantasy worlds and fantasy elements. And for Seer, I really thought of like Moroccan architecture and, and uh, Middle Eastern architecture, as well as French castles, because Hope and I both uh, love French castles. Hope specifically gave me some references of French castles. And so I was trying to marry basically different things that didn't go together for a okay. lot of this. Yeah. So like a lot of this is like oh okay yeah sketching references of really cool fireplaces because the fireplaces show up a lot and like the library scene and you never see the library in full but I know where all of the furniture is in the library Good. right that's that's important to understand yeah because that way you know how to panel it you know yeah, sure where if your camera blocking, is if you're blocking your you're blocking your scene yeah here are all of the different layouts of the castle. Like the way the windows go. You're like a stuff. dungeon master. Yes, exactly. That's what I felt like. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a different folder. There's like the farm. The farm is based on a real house. Oh. Okay. Uh, doesn't it? There is. So it's a it's a flat pack house. There's these seer houses, Sears houses. Uh, you could mail order a whole house and it come to you in planks and like, you build yeah, like, it. yeah exactly like the sears and, catalogs house and there's fandom for it there are people who are obsessed with sears houses oh and yeah go around and look for them and take pictures and they have blogs and so i went and i found a specific model of house that had the right number of bedrooms and the right like room sizes for the different scenes and i was like this house okay <laughs> does this house exist anywhere and i went and i looked and there is one version of this house in connecticut oh. that someone took a bunch of creepy photos of it's not their house and uh, I got the address, and I went on Google uh, uh, Globe, yeah. Google Worlds, and I, I zoomed in creepily on the house so I could get the size proportions of the roof. So anytime you see that house in the book, it is from reference. I made sure everything fit. Wow. What I, I grew up in Connecticut. What town? Ooh, I mean, I don't want to give it away. Uh -huh. I feel like that's, that's the level where I have to be like... All right, you can send it. You can send it to me off air. Well, yeah. Send we'll, <laughs> uh, me the link. I still have it bookmarked. Good. I want to. I want to creep it myself. Um, so, but it's super exciting. Like, so you're doing your work. A lot of at least at least a fair amount of your workup stuff. You know, with a pencil on on copy paper and just building. Yeah, out. it's the best for visual development for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you use markers? Do you do you develop your color palettes in in a specific fashion or how? Oh, for coloring. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Coloring's all digital, really. I, yeah. I definitely went for a watercolor style for this book, but I don't actually use watercolors much. I do play with markers and gouache for fun. Yeah. And I am a trained painter. I, I know color theory. In um, theory. Yes. But if I'm doing color work for fun, a lot of time I'm really just playing around with Photoshop. Yeah. Okay. You cool. have a ton of freedom. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Photoshop can do some really cool stuff with, you know, color development because you can take photographs and you can you can sort of like reduce out all the detail of an image and then just be left with the, with the color because you, know, you can just kind of take the color and start mm -hmm. making smears and develop palettes, you know, from existing exactly, photographs. Just from like accidents. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's completely forgiving. So, you know, you're not wasting paper. You're not wasting your paints. Yeah, um, no, I, you can I think there's a, really crazy stuff. There's a lot of there's a lot of kind of cool magic that you can you can do. So so you spent like nearly a year 
sort of developing the look of the book. Um, Possibly and, on and off again. So like right, I'm doing freelance right. at the same time. You're still, you're still eating. Yes. Um, <laughs> But I mean, so is Hope like feeding you anything? Like, are you, she's like, hey, here's my ideas for these characters. And you're like, okay, cool. And you're kind of doing rounds of character designs or how's that working? Kind of with some of it. Yeah. There yeah. Was definitely, we'll have, uh, I'll get occasional snippets of the script. Like she was writing the script at this point. Yeah. Um, and fleshing it out uh, and sending me drafts. So every time there was a new draft, I would get that. Uh, and I would read through it, make my notes uh, that for me, like I would make a little list of like, okay, here are the things I'm going to research, like seer, what's the house look like? Let's do that this week, you know? And I would send her my sketches and then uh, she would say like, oh, I really like this especially. And so I'd make a note of that. I'd be like, okay, this is, this is what uh, Hope was going for. Hopefully with that. Um, and it's cool and that she can, she can draw as well. So you can kind of like, there's at least oh, a shared such a lovely thing working with another artist. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a super big advantage. Cause you know, often, you know, <laughs> with the writers often they don't understand paneling and <laughs> yeah. pacing things. There's a whole bunch, there's a, you know, there can be, you know, I mean, it, that cross language, you know, can be a problem sometimes, but yeah. uh, that's so cool. So how, now what, you know, I mean, we don't really, talk you know we talk a lot of people who are doing you know stapled you know you know regular size comic books so mm-hmm. there's a very different sort of mindset and, a, and approach you have to have when dealing with a, you know a book that's over 100 pages long versus you know 20 pages so yeah <laughs> you, you you have this you know and i'll say luxury of time for development yes. you have a luxury uh, in that respect but there is a huge volume of work that has to be produced mm-hmm. and how do you approach this, you know, this, this relatively daunting task task of, all right, I've got to produce this amount of work and, you know, and whatever the deadline is that the you know, publisher is. Wait. Yeah. Great question. It's, it's, you know, it's been so many years since I started a new book and I am starting a new one now, which we'll get to, but I don't remember how I started Salt Magic. I think <laughs> I, I know that I did tiny thumbs for all the pages and then I blew those up and I did sort of redid the thumbs at full size. So I had very rough layouts, but at full size. And so right. I was able to do them quite quickly, but I do not remember if I just went through the whole book and thumbnailed it first and then went back and redid it. I feel I would have done that. Or if I was doing it, no, because I would have forgotten what I had thumbnailed in the first oh, chapter, no. you know? I must have done it in shifts. I think I did. Yeah. And I would, I would have to trawl through my emails to find out because I would be sending my thumbnails to Hope. Sure, sure. Yeah, so, and I, I saw some of you, sent, you sent along some of your thumbnail, your, your sort of rough and thumbnail work. And I could see how yeah. you, you sort of like you, you Yeah, that's, my old woman's pages still have like my thumbnails on that. You can see exactly that's what it looks yep. like. Just chicken scratch. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, circle, you know, upside down you, you know, you know, like you just kind of sort of block all the, it's, they become, they're very much like, you know, the, yeah, like an Abodrian painting or something like that, you know, like, yes. It's kind of an interesting kind of approach when you're looking at the, at the, you know, at the early stages. So, is so fun, but also like the worst. Like it's the worst. I, yeah. I want to throw myself out my window when I'm thumbnailing, but also it's so interesting and so why gratifying say, when you nail it. But why do you say it's the worst? But what do you do? You feel that you're that there's too much pressure on or so much pressure? <laughs> yeah. I was talking to my friend yesterday about it. We were both in the same place in our projects. We're both thumbnailing stuff right now, mm-hmm. and we were both like, it's because every page has to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It has to be. It has to be perfect. And if it's not we're going to die. 
That's the right. feeling. That's what's going on in our heads. If it's not perfect and if it doesn't make total sense and if every joke doesn't land and all the panels don't work, I, I don't know. I don't, there's no point in living. That's, <sighs> and you have to do 200 times in a row. Yeah. So there's no, you have to focus. And for someone with slight ADHD, uh, it's so hard to do that. <laughs> Everything else is cake after that. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I, I mean, I, for me, the, what I always found the worst part of the, the process, it was, it was inking because oh, my, my proclivity to want to finish pencils versus pencils are great. Yeah. But then I finished the pencils and go, oh, now I got to ink this again. I got to do it right. all over again. You know, it was always just like, <laughs> like I somehow fooled myself that like, you know, like, yeah. And then you just keep drawing right. and rather than like, okay, I'm going to stop here. Cause it was it basically, it was, you know, it was insecurity of like, you know, am I going to know what to do when I go at this with a brush or am I going to just, you know, I don't know, I guess I'm just going to draw four bread loaves for a hand here because you know yes there's a a mentality you have to keep that mentality in the back of your mind which is it's a comic book it's not precious you have to finish it so you have to go you cannot sit there and dawdle over a hand so yeah four bread loaves is a great method (laughs) because you just poop and poop and then go uh because the whole comic book has to work each panel if it's too detailed you know you're gonna your reader is gonna stop reading they're gonna be bored right Uh, but so in inking you're right it's just so dull because you've done all the fun stuff which is make all of your decisions and in sketching you don't have to make it clean so you can just you can have fun you can just do the swoopy lines and you know say i'll clean it up later i'll make sure it works at the end but you have to leave all the hard stuff and i i feel i feel like you were talking about the precious factor but i feel I, i feel that the um you know, the computer, working in the computer, Photoshop, or if you're using, you know, Clip Clip Studio, like I, the, the one thing that's nice is that it doesn't feel as precious as it does when it's a piece of paper, yeah. you know, in India ink. You know, you go, okay, well, I get one. Ooh, yeah, no way. <laughs> I, I, I've almost never done traditional inked comics for this no. reason. It's way too precious. It's it's incredibly precious. And it's and it's and you spend almost the same amount of time cleaning it up afterwards. Yeah, Why do that? You're like you have to you have to really kind of get in this sort of Zen state when you go into with the inking, you know, mm-hmm. approach. Um, I mean, although like that's how I feel. I I think Gary is not like that when it came to actual like inking on paper because Gary's methodology of inking was is a is much more I don't know, visceral. Is that a better way? Is that a visceral good is a good word for it? Yeah, I think Gary, you're you're inking like your manual labor of inking. Uh, especially, you know, traditionally was, I would say, visceral. And you're getting all of that tactile energy from hand inking something. And that's something you really can't reproduce with digital unless you're doing it on purpose. People love tactile. People love textures. It's why you put digital textures on your colors. Yeah. Because people want to feel like they can touch the drawing, even if it's been printed. I think that's, I mean, I think that's a huge thing. That's like, you know, and I don't, you know, I don't do a volume of comic book artwork enough to like, you know, sort of make, make these sort of the level advances of this. So, but I, what I do notice when I do something I'm like, Oh, that, and then I go like, something's missing. Oh, what's missing is texture. Like it's not yeah. there because this is this artificial world of, you know, pixels can be perfect, but it can be perfectly flat. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you know, so the, the intention is, is how do you, inject humanity into this into these exactly um, that's what our eyeballs are looking for 
Right. Well, we, we want to see the imperfections because yes. that's something that we can go like, oh, I've seen something that changes this from being just, a, you know, a circle tool, you know, mm-hmm. like to that to be a hand drawn circle like that's, you know, you can see the person behind it. You can yeah. connect with the other human on the other side of this process. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that. So what that, what was the time frame for producing the artwork for Salt Magic? I'm going to have to make like an actual calendar of this because it was long. Um, I think I started somewhere in 2017. I officially started working on the thumbnails. Okay. uh, And then I finished, I wrapped everything up at the end of last year, officially. We we came back and did some edits, but that was it. So 2018, so it was over the course of four years. And the reason it was spread out is because I had to keep stopping because I had to keep making money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would, I would pause the project and be like, I had to go work for WeWork for three or four months. Uh, I have right. to take a semester off to teach. Uh, I have to take a month off to do this uh, animation project, uh, so on and so forth. Take six months off to recover from an RSI. Uh, that kept happening, you know, and, and a time stretch that kept happening. Yeah. The thing about the graphic novel advance is that it really wasn't living money. So it was basically... And also at the beginning, I, I promised myself, like, I'm not going to take shortcuts with this. I'm going to make the work good. You know, if you're going to yeah. make a graphic novel, at this point, I felt really that I wanted to make it worth the trouble of reading. Yeah. Sort of, I wanted, I didn't want to, someone to feel exhausted for me looking at it. I didn't want it to feel like I had rushed it at any point. Well, that's, you know, I, you know, and it's interesting because I mean, you, you're working on a project that is over the course of, you know, years now versus something that you are, okay, got a deadline, it's got to be done next week or the mm-hmm. end of the month or whatever the thing is. And it's an interesting thing, you know, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I write and I write prose. So I'm working on these incredibly lengthy timelines with, mm-hmm. with novel because it's not just, you know, like I can, Air, you know, I can bang out a draft, yeah. um, you know, in, in about 80 days. So yeah. I can do 150,000 words in 80 days. That's, that's sort of like, the, impressive. that's, that's the, you know, that's the sort of the working pace. Um, but like, it just like you, you are like, you, you, you know, you have this sort of time in your hands and you look and you're constantly like, no way that chapter like there was this thing that happened and maybe i could like you know and like it's so there's this yeah. endless sort of like you know sort of like monkey wrenching sort of you know, <laughs> interest and i so like i mean when you're looking at a project of you know the duration that you're working on i mean did you have to like lock it away from yourself or did you allow yourself a certain amount of like you know revisiting yeah. Well, with this one, uh, it's definitely mostly locked in by the time the script comes to me. And if anything's yeah. changing after that, it's happening at certain points. So as I get when I am handed the script, I'm going to create the graphic novel based on that script. And then yeah. if we want to make edits, we're going to make them at the sketch stage when stage when I turn in the full sketched graphic novel. And that's what we did. That's like, again, I have examples. Hang on. Okay. I love examples. Oh, my goodness. Sure. Yanked these out of nowhere. Okay. See all these post-it notes? Yeah. See all the, there's a ton of them. And then on each page, there's like copious handwritten notes and several different pins because it's me, Margaret, and Hope all making little okay uh, notes on the sketches and saying, okay, we need to move this, move this word bubble, change the expression on this face. It's not working. Uh, and I think it's not either at this stage of the inks. I think it was at this stage. 
I asked to add some stuff because I felt like there were some scenes that needed to be stretched out and they were mostly visual scenes. This is not adding dialogue. This is literally me saying as the artist to tell this story, we need this chase scene to be two extra pages long and I can do it. And this is what it's going to look like. I, I sent them like a rough sketch of it. And at that point they were like, okay, we see the whole book. We know what it's going to look like. We see your points. You can add this in. Uh, that is going to improve the story. And so that's how you keep yourself from the constant edits, which is you say, I meet this checkpoint and then we can discuss it because okay. we have the entire piece all as one and we can see what's working and what's not. Yeah. As long as your changes are even numbers, you're, you're in better shape. Yes, that's the key. Is that I was like, I had to pitch it as like, don't worry, we can add a spread. And that way it all works out. Can, the gangs will be okay. We can keep yeah, this going. Yeah. As you see, I, like I worked on everything in spreads. Like this is the Photoshop file. Right, okay. I didn't do these pages individually because I had to, I forget which artist said it, but like you have to think of comics as spreads because mm -hmm. they're going to be seen as spreads unless you're looking at a digital copy, which some people yeah. do, but the spread has to work, even if they're two individual pages. They have to balance each other. They can't be like starkly different in tone, in color, in energy. Right. You know, you want everything to be to flow as you turn the pages. It's, it's interesting because we don't we didn't get the luxury so much of that when doing comics. No, yeah, you're working in individual pages because there's advertising, and you know, like <laughs> you know, and like you know, like how you hear these people saying, "Oh, the writer's thinking about when you know when the page turn is going to be like." No, that was not indicated, you know, in the scripts. We didn't, you know, like I've read some of those scripts. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we're not really told like, Hey, he, now, now this is the big moment. So like really pay out this last panel because we're going to switch the page and it's going to be a big reveal, you know, like it could That's be a important. That's yeah. super important. You've got to nail those moments. If you, if you right. have, don't have that stuff like figured out at the script stage or even the thumbnail stage, like you're out in the water with no paddle. Yeah, no, it's, 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 so it's tough. So, I mean, it, you know, in the magic world, you know, in the wonderful world, you can get to do that um, in the monthlies, not all the time, which yeah. is a, uh, you know, a little, little sad. Weep, weep. Yeah. Um, I weep for you. I, I, I don't lose sleep over it. That's, not, <laughs> that's the thing I don't lose sleep over. Um, so, okay. So cool. So, so, I mean, this is, this is a, this is a, you know, a labor of love to say the least. Um, you, know, you know, in the, in the duration of, of work. Um, it's interesting because I think you have to have a specific um, mindset or personality to be able to work on a project that has such a lengthy mm. timeline, because I don't think a lot of people like, gee, Gary, do you think you could, you, would you be able to focus on a project, you know, that landed lasted four years? <laughs> <laughs> I think that answers that. <laughs> Fair. That's if, legit. If if I'm getting paid, a, a, you know, the yep. annual salary that's worth it, yes. Yeah, right? But, yeah, no. It's, yeah. Especially I, if, it's, if it's just, like, boring, you know? Oh, if it's boring, I'm out. I'll get it. No. Yeah. yeah. But that's the thing. I had to make every single page fun for myself. Sure. Yeah. Uh, every single one of these pages I care about. And I, I found a reason to care about it. And I, I thought about Hope's script so much about 
what each of these pages was saying, what the point was to include this scene or this beat, like how it all played into a larger story. And I hope that comes through. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, artistically, it from what I've seen and what we've seen, I think absolutely the answer is yes. I mean, it, it's, you know, the the... The, you know, the leveling up is clear. You've um, done your homework. You've done your research. You've done it all. This is yeah. Do I get an A plus? Yes. Is that going to be our, our comic ranking system? We're going to grade like teachers. Well, Gary is a teacher. So maybe. We, that oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. No, please don't give me a grade. Don't, I give not... you an A plus. You, you're, oh, you're, you're, wow. You're, you're, no, no. Oh, boy. You're doing it. You're, <laughs> ki- you're killing it. That's yeah. all I wanted to, that's all I wanted to do. I wanted a, to be like, she's spending a lot of time. Do. You're doing it. You're yeah. doing it. This is what comics can do. That's what I wanted it to be. That's what, that's a, that's Jaslyn Stone's line. This is what, this, like, she's like, this is what comics can be. That was her line when she first yeah. discovered comics. And yes. like, I love that line. It's one yeah. of my That's favorite. a great line. That's totally, yeah. every single time I come across like a beautiful spread or like genius, like panel uh, sequence, it's just like, wow. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe that this and this and this creates like this so much emotion in my heart right now. Yep. They're very powerful and they can do a lot. No, it's, it's, I mean, listen, it's, a, it's an incredibly strong medium. I mean, it's, it's, the you know the one thing that it that it affords over, you know, film um, or television is that you can live in that second, you know, that mm-hmm. whatever that, that moment is on the page, you can just hold it there for as long as you want. Yeah, you know, it's you not go back and forth. You freeze framing, you lose all of the all of the elements that make film film. You know, mm-hmm. it stops being film at that moment. Um, but in a comic book, you can you can just sit on that moment, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it's. You know, it, it is its own form of visual magic. Yes, it is magic. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think there's something super cool. Um, and you, yeah. you as the creator, also can control that. Yeah, that's what's so um, it, it's it's so enticing to be able to completely control the visuals of an entire story. It's like well, it's t- I mean, it, it's like control over time and space. You yes, know, you, you really have this, this this ability, you know, to move in time in the way and, and the way you want to do it, which is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that's you know that's one of the great um, luxuries and the hardest task of storytelling is that, yeah, for sure. that moment of time. You know, how do it you does manage- feel like a weight sometimes when you know what you're trying to say with your story. Mm-hmm. But you cannot figure out how to put it into time and space within the page. Right. And you feel like it's, it's, it's completely possible because you've read one million comics at this point. You know it's, but you just can't choose. You can't yeah. see it. And then the moment you do, you do feel like a fucking wizard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love Even that. it's the simplest comic in the world. No, but it's it's so true. And I think I think that probably, you know, you know, you know, sort of rounds back to your statement of struggling with thumbnailing because thumbnailing mm-hmm. is this this moment of time management. How do you how do you move this story in time in a sensible fashion, uh, in a unique fashion and in an engaging fashion? How? Um, how do you do that? How does yeah. it happen? Well, it's I mean, it's crazy. Like, yeah, but you go back. I mean, you go back to the, uh, you know, like, well, how do you come up with your ideas? You know, I mean, I think I, I think there's this inherent creative, you know, problem solving, you know, ability that you hone, you develop and you hone mm-hmm. 
over over repetition and time and um, you know experience that allows you 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 set yourself up to it too yeah you you get out of your own head that's like the the gift and the curse of it is especially with thumbnails is that you leave your body for a moment and you see you see just the story happening and it, it flows out of you Right. It, that's that's like the moment the of pure creation. That's like, always so wonderful. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like a combination of pantomime and then sort of controlling like a like a three D three D like environment. Yeah. And you Seriously. Can, yeah. I my my mentor had that was one thing that he sort of taught me when I was when I was a fledgling you know artist. You know, and he said like, well, he's like the way I view it is I view it as like I'm holding a mini cam and there's a scene and there's a set and all these characters are in the, in the set and they're in the place that they, they're logically in place where they need to be for whatever's happening. And then I move the camera around um, to find that angle. That's going to tell the necessary bit of storytelling and hopefully the most. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I have the camera right in the right place. What are you focusing yeah. on? Because the story totally changes based on where you're looking. Oh, for sure. And so like you would, so I would, so I learned to sit there and I would put all these pieces in my head and then I would just move the camera around and I'd look and I'm like, okay, uh, okay, wait here, there, wait here. And then you go, okay, I've got it, you know, at that Mm -hmm. point. And I would even like go so far as to sort of create an overhead, just like where I put circles where in square and rectangles where the elements Oh, were. totally. And then I would place where I wanted the camera to be. I'm like, okay, now I know where that shot is coming from. And I don't even have to draw it at that point. Like I know when I come back to it, I'm going to have my, you know, my shorthand that's going to say, this is what you're lo- thinking about, dummy. Yeah, that's uh, smart. That's a, it's a great technique. Yeah, I don't know. You yeah. want, you want to like, the angle is really important and knowing where your characters are in space, which is the same reason I do all the floor plans. Right. For all, every single room that any scene is happening in, because I want to think about where I'm putting these characters to best tell the story in that moment. What, what else you, is going to look the best? What's going to be did prettiest? You do that before? Like, did you do that before you got into animation, or was this sort of like, did you pick mm-hmm. up sort of chops of animation, like how? Because that's very process driven, you know. The I animation, think I, animation definitely played a part. Because mm-hmm. um, I wasn't doing that before, I, I'm sure that it played into it. Uh, because the background art I was doing was was like I was seeing the storyboard, I was seeing the characters, and I was purely coming up with the backgrounds based on what was needed for the scene. Yeah. And so I got really good at, and I had already been quite good at sort of like seeing like the, a corner of a room and drawing it in perspective. Like that was just something I could do. Mm-hmm. But thinking about the storytelling impact of which angles do what was something I didn't get so into until after I graduated. And I started doing background art. And it's so interesting. That is cool. That's really, that's really cool. And did you have any people like outside of like, you know, once you got out of school, were there any people uh, like professionals, you know, in the industry that you were able to sort of learn from like experience and, you know, and sort of get into the nitty gritty discussion, not peers, but people sort of, I guess, above like sort of that you looked up toward. Yeah, definitely. Moving to New York was great um, for that reason, is that I was very quickly sort of dropped into uh, mostly peers, honestly, not a lot of like industry professionals, um, but like people who were were already like publishing and uh, and putting work out and and building their own stories and just getting into deep conversation about what comics were 
what we wanted to do. Like there was like a drink and draw club that I attended for a long time when I first moved to New York. And I mean, you know, people would come and go. Because Car- Kari Randolph was doing the drink and draw, I think, for a long time. Yeah, uh, yeah. it was possibly the same group, but like uh, Daryl Io ran it for a long time. It was just an email chain. Yeah. Um, and it, people came, like, came in and out. Raina came for a couple times. Uh, Meredith Grand, Octopus Pie, great webcomic, like came in and out. Uh, and these were people that I was seeing at a distance at comic conventions. Sure. And then I was, you know, meeting them for coffee or a drink and not exact, not really going up to them and being like, tell me about your life, but <laughs> mingling, and, you know, going to after show events and stuff and just chatting with people. Yeah. That was very formative. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's super interesting. Um, you know, we were fortunate to, you know, to go to art school in New York City with, you know, you know, when Will Eisner was our teacher and that mm-hmm. kind of that kind of jazz. So we were all just endlessly talking about comic books and storytelling, blah, blah, blah. Um, but when, you know, when you get into the, you know, the other side of it and you're, you know, you're in the business and you're at the conventions, you know, there's this whole new wealth of understanding because you see somebody do something. You're like, how did you do that? You know, and then you're, yeah. like, you're, you're, you're like, you're, you're putting them, you know, the, the, the thumb screws to, to a friend going, how did you do this? You know, and, they, yeah. <laughs> and you let them tell you, you know, how they came up with this, this sort of solution and you go, oh my God. And it just yeah. is this, this, this give and take. So um, it's really, and these are small conversations too. These are yeah. like little side things that you might ask one day and it opens up this whole like avenue of thought for you. Yeah. It changes your whole direction. And you realize like, oh, I could do it that way. Yeah. Oh, oh I yeah. Just, I, I can make yeah. a zine this way and just like print a hundred of them in a day. Like, I can't believe that. That's crazy. I, yeah. We had a recent guest and who had, had, I guess they had done their first, they did some book. Oh, no, it was, it was, uh, what's it, what's his name? Um, from cartoonist kayfabe, Jim Rugg. And he said like his Jim first, Rugg. his first comic that he had done He'd like printed out like, you know, 500 copies, you know, like, you know, this comic book that, you know, professionally done goes to a show and like didn't sell one, you know, (laughs) know, and then he realized like, oh, everybody's just Xeroxing these things and stapling together. And that's how you do a zine. So um, I thought that was just fantastic, you know, because, you know, the the dream and ambition of, hey, I want to be a comic book, you know, creator, you know. Yeah. but I, I love that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's super exciting, you know, to have like the, I don't know, the, the dialogue between, you know, creators is always some of the most inspired conversation you can ever have. Oh, totally. It's yeah. really exciting to be able to engage in those conversations. Oh, Even yeah. if you're just like a creator starting out, like if you've tried stuff out or like you've tried to publish a thing, like you can engage, you yeah. can talk to someone else who's also tried it and you can get a lot out of that conversation. I, I agree. And I, I think that's, I mean, listen, it's not, it's not, listen, it's understandable to put somebody on a pedestal when you're yeah. a fan of something and it's really easy to kind of do that. But, you know, I always say like, if you just say, Hey, I've got this question and I can't solve this problem, you know, as long as it's not this huge sort of diatribe that you're, you know, you're sort of, you know, needing from them, most everyone's just going to give you the answer. Yeah. You know, and politely. Yeah, it's a little harder now, but definitely if someone comes up to me at a show and just says like, hey, how do you, uh, how, 
how do you do panels or right. like what do you what do you think of like the uh the philosophy of uh like only working in like grids or like totally blowing panels out of the water i'm thinking about panels a lot i'm sorry yeah um that kind of like small questions like that i'm always like i would love to tell you everything about what i think about panels because right. i think about them all day long <laughs> Do you challenge yourself? Like, cause like, I mean, I know that like, I would sometimes just be like, okay, you know, cause there's times that you're just not truly inspired by the, you know, to, to approach by the, the question. Page. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so, so I mean, you would do the thing of like, well, okay, like let me just start like making compositions based off of letters. You know, I'm just going to go, okay, yeah. I'm going to grab a, the, I'm just going to throw some letters on a, on a, on the, you know, like, you know, boggle, I'm going to shake just the boggle start, thing and yeah. okay, well, this is going to be a K, this is going to be a G, this is going to, and then you just compose the panel accordingly. Yeah. Um, I do that it's sometimes like it, when you're staring at a page for long enough that you start to not see it anymore. You sometimes you just want to make like a little mark. Like you said, like draw a shape that's kind of like a letter, like draw an L shape and just sort of stare at it and be like, okay, what would it look like if I did the panels kind of like this? Right. Would that work? Would that fit the beats in that I want? And sometimes you find the answer. Uh, yeah. Other times I'll go look at books like this big stack. I didn't pull these from my, these are the books that are on my desk right now. Just show show us what you just have. Like, in our, cause I, I always like Gary, you have a bunch oh, of comics, comics like at your table, right? We read this right one. here. So good. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. See? I mean, it's, it's like, you, you, gotta, can't, you can't help but not have comics sitting at your table when you're drawing or really. just books. Cause, you don't. Cause what you, you do is have you books open it up and yeah, totally. Scene, like, kind of like the scene that I'm trying to write right now, like the same kind of vibe or, or action or sure. conversation scene. Like, how did this person do it? And why did it work? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, because they, they start with a wide shot and then close in. And what does that say? Or did they start with a detail and then move somewhere else? And did they break it into three beats or two? And like, uh, what did they pick out? And again, why does that work? And when you go through a whole book, look, when you go through a whole stack of books, yeah, like 20 different books looking for that kind of stuff. And then I try to look at a wide variety. You remember what comics, how they work in a way that you felt blocked before. And it's always like breaks me right out of my writer's block where it like, oh, wow, this character, like you can see them on three different places on the spread and they go close up, wide shot, close up again. And that tells this emotional story in that way. And But the scene changes, even though you keep seeing this character. Like, why does that, what is that doing? That that always is what I end up doing when I'm really stuck. No, that, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, I, I, li- I like both approaches. Like one where you just sort of force yourself, you know, like you said, you make a mark and now you've got to sort of accept this mark and do something with it. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is sort of the, the you know, the, I guess the the thoughtful approach like okay now i'm going to like there's a reactive approach and then there's a thoughtful approach and the other one is okay yeah. let me do a little inspirational research here and try to come up with that that next you know uh answer to that yeah um, like listening to music it's just sort of resets yeah it's you know it's interesting like yeah yeah music was a non-stop um thing you know when in my drawing years i mean because you could just it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if there's words because you're, it, it's, it, it's the different side of your brain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, unfortunately I don't get to listen to like the music I would l- always listen to when drawing, when I'm writing, because words, you know, and words mm-hmm. are confusing the words that I'm trying to come up with in my head to put on, on a piece can't of paper. To music so, when you're writing. Yeah. yeah. Can't, can't listen to like can't TV or anything when you're writing or thumbnailing. No, oh, no. no. But you can when you're inking. Oh Yeah. yeah. 
big time yeah. for podcasts and TV shows. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. And I think that's totally. a, it's 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 nice because it is it is just a different chunk of your brain that allows mm-hmm. you to kind of you know do that. Um, it, for me, it ends up just end up being jazz. I listen to jazz when I'm, jazz when I'm writing. Yeah. So when I'm writing, uh, I, just, I can do the jazz and keep going. But if I get, if all of a sudden someone starts bebopping, I got to quickly, like, I'm like, someone's scatting. I got to get rid of the scat. Yeah. Um, oh, no, I love scat. I, I uh, love, um, oh, God, I'm going to blank on the name. There's like an album of uh, sort of like swing music that I always go to. Okay. Always go back to. Um, I also listen to opera quite a lot. And I love that I can listen to words, but it's all in Italian, so sure. I don't know what they're saying. And it makes me feel things because I feel like I'm yelling those words at the same time. But yeah, they can do whatever I'm feeling at the time. Uh, I think that counts. If you can't understand what they're saying, then it's all right. So you could listen to, you know, French pop music and not be distracted by the yes. line, you know. And Japanese rock music at the same time. Sure. Same appeal. It's, yeah. uh, it's Louis Prima. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, so good. Yeah, well, you can't go wrong for Louis Prima. Like a Louis Prima live album? Yeah. It's delicious. Just right. it makes me happy. Nice. Well, I, yeah, no, I'm I'm a, I'm a huge fan of I'm a huge fan of the right the right thing to listen to when you're doing the thing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Yeah, the, the your power album. You're like yeah. your go-to that you're going to get through the next half hour of work because this music is a comfort to you. You so this is so I'm I'm constantly staggered by um, the alacrity of so many artists these days, and I. So I'm curious if you're sitting down with a, with a, with a bunch of like you know you have your thumbnails for the day. Mm-hmm. How long is it taking you to sort of pencil and ink a page? Oh, thumbnails are done. Yeah. How long does it take to pencil a page or ink it? I would say a day. Okay, so you you it can might be less. Okay, but you can pencil and ink in one day and not then, pencil and ink. Okay, so you can pencil a page in a work day. Yeah, and it might be like two in a work day, or like I might go for a spread in a work day. All right. Um, and then the really tough pages might take a couple days. Yeah. And then it's the same for inking. Ink is penciling and inking kind of take me about the same amount of time. Yeah. No, that's that's that's, what, that's kind of what I was saying earlier. Is like I just I I I never really on a professional level. Now I can kind of do it where I can put, I can put that 60 to 70% down and mm-hmm. I can in that, that final 30% to yeah. that thing because I can see it much better now, but, and I, maybe I have just more of it. And it's and sometimes, yeah, sometimes it happens where like the, the pencils are just so perfect that you just yeah. you like the inking takes no time at all. It might take like a couple hours and you're done. Right. Those are good days. So you you are a, a, a devotee of Photoshop, which I love. Photoshop, it's a fantastic program. Um, a slave to Photoshop. Love last year, last year I bought um, Clip Studio. Yeah, me too. And I gotta tell you, man, as far as tools go for making a comic book, it's better. Yeah, I know. I know. It's I. It it the things that I still haven't nailed. I have not. <laughs> It doesn't have the same sort of like solve problem solving things that that Photoshop does when it comes to handling color. Yeah. Like I don't have, I don't seem to have the access to those sort of quick access to the tools that I need to shoot. I got to drop the saturation down here. I got to increase the saturation. Whatever the thing that I need to do quickly, I don't have that in Clip Studio that I do in Photoshop. But when it comes to like 
here's a blank canvas and you can automatically set up your pages you know you know setting up your gutters so yeah, nice. it's pretty um, nice i have not figured out how to do it yet there's a learning curve to that there program. is i mean but like with any learning i mean you remember I mean, listen photoshop i mean it's like what i, I how, how yes. do I, what um <laughs> you know but there's this thing that like it's a me it's it's really amazing i think the pencil is a better pencil Mm, yeah, a lot of people have told me that. It feels like the pencil a lot, and I like the inking a lot better. I think the, yeah. I, the I think the line quality is, is it's stronger. And it's, um, it's a program built for comic book artists. Well, that's the thing. That's you know, it, it's it was like, developed for manga artists. Yes, I mean Photoshop is an amazing tool, and it's really amazing for photographs. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, while you know, yeah. I don't know if I would really want to do any, you know, sort of photo editing in Clip Studio. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just so I'm I'm truly impressed by the the program. I mean, I love the built-in, you know, um, the the perspective, the built-in perspective grid. Love it. So you can really, really bang out like a room. You know? Yeah, yeah, and you can lock to your perspective grid in that program, yes. right? The way you can in Procreate. Yes, and it's yeah. so it that's really. A- really a lifesaver sometimes and a time saver yeah. like it's a, it's just that thing that like if and, and once again i think there's a native sort of intelligence you have to develop with any program mm-hmm. to where you're thinking like chess where you're thinking a few moves ahead naturally rather than having to think a few moves ahead where that's where i feel i am with with clip i go like oh okay wait okay that's a good way of putting it so yeah oh that's interesting i'm just curious because i I would love i would you know i i don't i i hope you i hope you end up doing some you know some pieces in it and and work your way over toward it because i think i know i know i know i'm at the point in a project where if i'm going to start using Clip Studio, now is the time to start. Right. And I'm just dragging my feet because I don't, I, I, I want to, I'm at a point where I want to stick with my comfort zone. And my comfort zone is like doing my little chicken scratch thumbnails on a piece of paper and then blowing them up in Photoshop. That's just where right. it's done. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. I've seen like people knock out layouts for a whole book so quickly and so yep. efficiently yep. with their like their timeline tool where you can just set up the whole book at once. And like, God, that's so smart. It's exactly it what you need. Right. It's to organically move through a whole project, go back and forth with pages and stuff and see layouts the way you're supposed to be able to see them. Like by gum, that's what I need. To, I need. Oh, wait, it's right here. I can do right. it right now. But it but it is. It, I mean, it's like there isn't a tutorial online for it, though. You, ha- you literally do have to do the thing that you're talking about, which is go find someone who knows what they're doing mm-hmm. and ask them to teach you. Yeah. Yeah. So like, please take the time and tell me what how program works. Well, I think that, I mean, and that, I think that's the case with so many things. I mean, like, you know, Gary's like, he leveled up on his coloring skills because he, he sought somebody out and said, okay, Hey, listen, I need you to teach me a few things. Yeah. And this person taught Gary a bunch of stuff and like, I need more, I need more lessons. <laughs> okay. You ran out. He's, he's plateaued. Gary's plateaued. Mayday. Mayday. <laughs> um, but it's like, but it's a thing you do. You do that and you get that next thing. And, and I totally get it. It's like, you, right. what you need to be is you need to be in a studio with somebody doing this. Yeah. And just working I need to along. be a, like with the, like a deadline crunch or something. Like I need the, the adrenaline rush of like, okay, I have to figure this out today in an hour. Right. And, and then I'll just, I'll be done. Like force your, yeah. Like force your mind to actually make those connections quicker. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll no, I, no, I, I, it's, it's just, it's interesting because I mean, 
it, you know, like we like we have a, a a friend who's been on the show before who's a he's like a he's a design I don't know what he does the character designs and background designs and mm-hmm. item designs for um, a video game company. Sure. And he, you know, and he po- he he showed us a whole bunch of the stuff that he he works on, and I he share, shares stuff with me all the time. And I and I asked him, I said, "So, what program are you working in?" He's like, "Oh, Photoshop." And like Rebecca, like it's ridiculous what he's doing in Photoshop. You he's can pull three D models into Photoshop and move them around. He's but he's not making three D models. He is he's drawing. Oh, but these- I mean, as reference, you can pull yeah. in a like if you need to draw a car for a background art or for a concept. Yeah, because I've done this. You, you buy that 3D model, you f- have someone build it for you, you get it for free, pull it into Photoshop, you literally just move it around. Yeah. So you get, same way you can in Clip Studio. Yep. So you get the right perspective and then you just trace that. Done. Yeah, that, that's my my next level up in Clip is getting, is accessing the 3D models and being able to move them yeah. in Clip and then be able to draw on top of that, like, and then just get rid of that, you know, that, uh, that reference point because... <laughs> That's such a headache. I know, but, but but I'm sure it's super easy because there's a 21-year-old who's doing it with no thought whatsoever, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. that's a, And again, that's what Clip Studio is set up to do. Like all yeah. of those sort of mass-produced like webtoon, like uh, web comics that sort mm-hmm. of utilize these stock backgrounds. Yep. The, the like Clip Studio inclusive online library of stock visuals and 3D models and brushes and stuff is all set up for people to have a collective library of things because comics are not a so much about like the individual's uh, interpretation of yeah. visuals that we all collectively understand. Really effective comics, comics are made out of sort of stock stuff that you've thrown together to tell the story as quickly and efficiently as you can. I totally agree. And that's what we're moving into. Yeah. So when, so let's reiterate to the folks out there, uh, Salt Magic, um, it's pre-order. Oh, I, you know, let's get the banner rolling. I can't, I've been so. Hey, nice. Um, get that yeah. banner rolling. Thank yeah. you. Yes. There's a website. Uh, me and my friends set it up. Actually, they set it up for me. Um, <laughs> uh, they, they're in book marketing. So good friend. Uh, it, did, it did me a solid, uh, saltmagicbook.com has all of the pre-order links and some of the reviews, uh, and like the book page and stuff. Um, so you can just head over there. The book comes out on October 12th which is Ooh. less than a month away and I'm sweating every day. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm excited though. It's, and then, it's great. It's, it's going to be fun. I've I got agree. a lot of events and stuff coming up then too. So I, the problem is my feeds are just going to be me, me constantly saying, Hey, I'm doing a talk. Hey, I, there's a blog post about my book. Please Please look at it, please. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong <laughs> with, 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 with doing the thing that you're doing. Well, I'm usually pretty quiet. So yeah. me suddenly posting a whole lot, it's because I'm promoting your books. You just deal with me. Yeah. I, listen, I think, I think everyone's going to give you a pass. It's okay. They're going to be, that's, I'm that's pretty fine. proud of this book. I'm just, I'm so ready to shout from the mountaintops. Well, it's finally here. How many, how many, so just nuts and bolts. How many pages is the book? So people can know what to expect. 232 pages of art uh and and words um it's a it's in hardback and paperback and i think you can get it digitally you can pre-order the kindle version amazing um, yeah but you won't see the spreads if you get the kindle version that's just you like, might you can set it up to get show you spreads i think very of, of illustrated books yeah the i love a book i love an object you know yeah. if you have the ability or you can also request it from your local library if you don't want to buy it that's completely fine or, or if you want to read a friend's copy, I don't care. Just read it. 
We go to the store, open it up, read it, put it back on the shelf. I think, well, the great, the uh, you know, the wonderful thing about, you know, when you actually are producing book books, as you are, these things go into libraries. Like these are ordered by oh, libraries so, yeah. across the country. Um, and that has a lot to do with librarians hearing from people in the area or, or choosing because they seen a review or, you know. So it means a lot when people call up someplace and say, Hey, I really like to read this book. Could you get it in stock? I have, I have, I have a contact with a, with a really, uh, phenomenal uh, librarian and I'll, I'll, I'll pass on the information. If she hasn't already heard about it, she reads something like 200 to 300 books a year, like novels. She's unbelievably prolific in her reading and she writes, I mean, she writes books and she's a full-time librarian. So I made of different stuff than you or I. Um, That's incredible. Librarians yeah. are wonderful people. Yeah. The, the love for books is always staggering and, and beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I remember being terrified about the library when I was a little kid, but uh, yeah, I, they're, 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 they're doing the work. So what else, have you, what else do you have coming up? You mentioned, you intimated that something else is on the horizon. So what, what, are, the, uh, what, what, are, what are people thinking about? Well, I just finished my job with Cartoon Network. So I did a bunch of background art for the show Close Enough. Oh, cool. Uh, which is season three will be airing next year. So if you watch that season, a lot of the episodes have background art drawn by me. Nice. I'm very proud of the work I did with that team. It nice. was a lot of fun. Um, now I uh, am working on my next graphic novel. Uh, this one I wrote myself. I, I am uh, terrified. <laughs> uh, and it's about ballet. So it's about kids uh, who are really enthusiastic about a creative field, which is what I was at age 12. Uh, but in this case, it's ballet because it's uh, in sort of collaboration with the ABT here in New York, uh, American oh, Ballet yeah. Theater. Uh, so, I, And I like opera, so that was my way in. I said, I love this, you know, I don't know as much about ballet, but I did study it as a kid. Um, so I gave them my treatment and they were going ahead with it. And so that's the book book. And then I also have a lot of short comics that I want to do in the next year. While this other book is in development, I'm going to try to stick to books and not do a lot of freelance for the next year or so. Fingers crossed. Cross your fingers for me. Yeah. We'll see. Um, but it should be okay. But the projects, the short, shorter comics will be coming out hopefully next summer. Okay. And I can't tell you much about those except. Are you writing fun. them? Are you writing them? Or are you, are they, yes. are you with? Okay, cool. I've done shorter comics. Like I've done the old woman. Uh, I've done some fan comics and short scenes. And so mm-hmm. I'm doing more of that. And I'm very excited to get back to that. Oh, that's great. Now, do you have publishers for these? Or are you doing these? Uh, for some of them, yeah. But okay. I've got uh, Random House Graphic is putting out the ballet book. Um, Good. And then Bulgahan Press, which is a small press run by my friend uh, Zach Clemente. He's putting out a short comic by me, hopefully next summer. Yay. Um, yeah. And then maybe some other stuff, but I think I'm self-publishing that stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's super, that's super exciting. And people can find that, you know, when this stuff is coming on the horizon by going to Rebecca Mock on Twitter. Yes. Or- Usually Twitter, Instagram. Um, you can buy my previous zines on my Gumroad, which I think is, there's a link on my website, but I think it's yeah. gumroad.com slash... Actually, it's like a weird thing. It's like rmbbs.com and you'll find it. Go to Rebecca Mock, go to go to about. There's all the links. Click all of them, please. Just click every link. Go on there. That way Google's happy, you're happy, everyone's happy. Um I'm so happy. That's awesome. Let's take a sneak peek at what Gary is drawing. Yeah. Maybe I've he doesn't been, know. I love, 
getting mesmerized. By what's yeah, going go ahead, on. try that, buddy. Um, that's awesome, <laughs> dude. Like that, like that one. I love the, the creepy house in the back. That's awesome. Right. I love it, dude. I love a creepy house. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I like these guys too. These are, these are, yeah, these are Gary's uh, characters from United Forces. I love, cool. I love, you know, it's so funny because when you first started this thing, the first things you laid down were the uh, the glows of the orb and the moon. Yeah. And and I was like, wait, why are there two orbs in this? <laughs> right. As you like have been adding to it and putting the forest in now, I'm like, right. it's the moon. That's I didn't cool. know what was going to happen. I kind of had an idea, but I just go with the flow and. This that's what, fun. That's awesome. I didn't, I didn't know there was going to be ghosts in the front of it. So I was just... <laughs> love a ghost. I love a paranormal element. Well, it is that yeah. time of year, dude. It's that time of year. Yeah. I love it. Right? Yeah. Love it. We're getting to that point. Yeah. I know. I know. That's fine. Yeah, because Phil drew a demon last week. So that only, that only makes sense. Everyone's, everyone's, getting, <laughs> yeah. everyone's getting into the scary yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, that's fantastic. Well, I'm super psyched. Um, I'm really excited to read Salt Magic. Um, it, it's it's just, it's the best. Look, there's reviews, Gary. The best yep. comic reading experience I've had in a long time by Ben really, Hatton. Really nice thing that Ben How said. Thank you, Ben. You, ben. <laughs> I know. Or, I I just asked him nicely. Or how long did you keep him in a blindfold for I him to say that? It must have been a while. He's a really <laughs> sweet guy. So it was just uh, really nice. And then Kathy, again, great friend. Yeah. Uh, magic. An inspirational comic book artist. So uh, honored to have their words. Yeah. Salt Magic is an epic coming of age adventure. You've never read a Western like this before. And Kathy was the one who talked to me about like picking a style per project. That's their I love that. words. Well, it's kind of, you know, it kind of crosses. I, that was always very much encouraged by my mentor, but I also think there's a very much animated, animated approach where you're yeah. developing like Pixar movies. Well, they look like a Pixar film. They don't all look alike. Like they mm-hmm. really do design these worlds every time. And, yeah. uh, I think and like, that's well, it's, you know, thematically, like if it's a swoopy story, if it's a scary story, like you have to have a scary or swoopy style. Yeah, for it sure. Has to inform the story itself. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's so true. So I think that's I mean, I don't know how that works. Fun, I don't know the function that works so well, you know, in monthly comic books. I mean, I think it's only when you get a chance to sort of hop on a book for a period of time, if you can get a, like a month to kind of say, okay, yeah. what am I thinking about? How do I want to approach this? Um, yeah, it's, again, it's a hyper control. These graphic novels allow you to just from the very beginning to the end, control the entire visuals. No, it's, it's, I mean, it, it's, it's a great, I mean, listen, it's a, a massive undertaking, <laughs> um, but it is an amazing luxury in the sense of being a visual you know, a uh, storyteller. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's a super strong thing. I'm super excited that you're writing your own stuff. Um, not that, not that hope isn't a great writer and other people aren't great writers. I mean, I've learned a lot from hope. I I'm going to try to do my best. I do like the story that I, that I wrote the, the yeah. treatment. I think it's good. I think good. people will like it. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I, I just, I, I, I can't encourage, you know, comic book artists enough to write their own thing because I think there's a, yeah, I think if you can tell a story visually, you can write it down first and then tell it visually even better. Yes. 
like there are there's a learning curve uh, again yes. you know you have to work at it but i think yep. there's a path there i have learned a lot from drawing the comics about what i personally feel about story beats and narratives and uh things i want to say visually that i don't need words for you know like i've learned yep. a lot from that and there's and listen there's there's a plethora of examples you can get your hand you could download a thousand scripts in an afternoon and spend a year <laughs> yes. them to get all the you know the sort of the visual acumen that you need to go okay well that's how somebody did that on on a on a written pass you know now yeah. how does that line up against the actual comic book oh okay well exactly that's you have to go and look at it in context yeah and i think there's a great you know there's a great learning curve uh, that you can get from that. So um, I'm super excited. I can't wait to uh, see when you announce that, that book, because I think that's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, me too. Uh, sometime yeah. soon. I think we're doing salt magic stuff first. And then I know you have, you have this, this small little book that you have to have to uh, promote in the, yeah. in the next couple of months. I don't want to pull focus from my baby. No, no. Um, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, everything I have seen and read within this is wonderful. I think you guys did an amazing job. And I really think this is a, I don't know. I think this, 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 this one's going to blow up. It's my hope. I mean, if it comes out and people read it, I'm going to be over the moon. Yeah. yeah. For kids. I want kids to read this book that I made for them. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That, that, that's, that's, that's the hope, man. There's nothing better than seeing a kid who loved what you did. Yeah. It's the, best. it's the best absolute feeling. Um, they are the best reviewers. They're, they have the best opinions. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. They don't well, lie. No, they're, they're bad at it. They're typically <laughs> bad at it. That's why it's so good. I don't think they know how to lie. Most of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, Becca, I'm going to start playing the music and, uh, and do the outro. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we say goodbye? Oh, no, this this was a wonderful talk. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Absolutely. See, it wasn't scary. It It wasn't scary. I know. I was really relieved. Just my drawing. Exactly. The drawing gave me a lot of safe feelings. My drawing was scary. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us. Um, And uh, best of luck with Salt Magic and everything else you have coming up. And um, until next week, everybody, uh, like, click, subscribe, or whatever that is. Whatever Phil says, do what he says. Bye. Okay.